Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Carpet to Trailer Trash Podcast. My name is Ian Collins, and joining me as always is Mr. Connor Rock. Why are you talking so slow today? <laughs> You're putting a lot of stank on things. That, I don't, I was, I'm trying to keep people guessing. Alright, fair enough. Keep them on their keep them on their toesies. <laughs> their tippy toesies. Yep. Uh, how's uh So Oh no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I remember how to do this. <laughs> so Connor, you uh before we get into discussion of what we'll be talking about actual movie wise, I believe that you took a trip down to New Orleans this past weekend, just before Mardi Gras. Oh, uh, we did. It was, uh, it, that happened. I got the coronavirus there, I think, because I'm not feeling super hot for this recording, so I, th- that might show. But uh, I gotta say, I will, I will talk about this a little bit, because I think you'll appreciate this. I have never known how unfree I am until I went to New Orleans and there was no open container laws. Like, that, I I can't really explain. Oh, no. No, I completely 100% agree with you on that. Like, there's just something about being able to just, like, walk out of your house carrying, like, a beer and a handle of rum and go to a parade, which I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but I, I just... We we are not free in America unless you are in New Orleans or we went we stopped in Chattanooga and there's apparently like one street in Chattanooga that's open carry and we went there or not open carry that's guns oh open con- yeah, open, open container yeah. open carry is something completely <laughs> yeah, different. not open carry open container um and there's one street there but we went there and it was just like an alley and it was dead so if you're from Chattanooga what's up with that but it's 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 we're not free we're just told we're free and then then you go to new orleans and you just walk around well, and buy beers and take them on the street and it's amazing yeah we're uh we're free in different ways but i gotta tell you there was nothing more uh more like enlightening or freeing than when i took my trip to germany a couple years ago and was able to just walk outside carrying a beer from the train. I looked at, I was, uh, it was in, while I was still in college, I looked at the professor supervising us. So I'm like, is this a problem that I'm just carrying this beer? He's like, nah, man, you're fine. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's been like ground into our brains that we can't do it and you get in so much trouble. But once you have that, like, you, you feel true power for once. I mean, I for one, as as the local anarchist, I for one think that those open container laws should be abolished. Yeah, they don't make any sense, really, at all. Like, you keep your public intox laws. Like, don't be falling all over, peeing on shit. Let me carry a beer somewhere. It doesn't make any sense. It's Well, you know what it's for, is so that they can get more... They can tack on another misdemeanor... And charge you a larger fine if you're drunk in public. I mean, I believe it. So, but maybe, maybe make it if you're drunk in public. But then there's too many things. Get rid of all the laws, actually. Just let people live their lives. And if they don't, and once again, anarchy. Yeah, not, it's <laughs> I don't need to preach. The best way. I need to preach anarchy to you. I know. But speaking, <laughs> speaking of being drunk all over the place and falling down, two people died. Um, while we were there, and they got ran over by parade floats. They got ran over by parade floats. Yeah, and 
like to the people who lived there, that was like a big deal, sad thing. And like to all of us out of towners, we felt no sympathy. We were like, "How the fuck? <laughs> how drunk are you?" So I guess like they they have these tandem floats, which are like two floats chained together, and the uh-huh. parades there aren't like you know constantly moving. The floats will like drive up, stop, throw a bunch of shit at you, spend like ten minutes there, and then keep going. So uh-huh. the people who died, they I guess they tried to like cross the tandem, and then the float started, and it like hit them, and then you know you can't hear anything, you can't see anything. Like once the float's moving, it's moving. So then they got like squished, and uh, yeah, so that was that was the first time that's happened since two thousand eight, and it happened twice this Mardi Gras. I see. Um, that's just a fun. It's not, not it's fun. not good, but also I've I'm like you. I have difficulty getting my sympathies up for someone who gets killed by a parade float. Yeah, like they literally they don't just don't don't do it. Don't go anywhere near don't under. Don't cross it. the fucking street whenever there's a like it's one thing to cross the street in front of a parade float. It's another to cross between two parts of the same parade float. Yeah, it's, it doesn't, I don't know, I guess people just, they, they're like, well, they haven't moved in a long time, and then they got got. But, uh, That's what I would get most anxious about it being re- being about to move. Yeah. I don't know, I'm not the, I'm not the float police. I, they, I, they don't exist, apparently, but that was just some, that was some stuff that happened. And then, just in general, the New Orleans is just really cool. Like, I get why everyone likes it as a city. We managed to, because we stayed with, like, a local, we avoided Bourbon Street because she was essentially just like, yeah, you can go there if you want to be a fucking tourist, or you can go to all these other cool places. So we ended up, like, getting, like, the kind of authentic experience, which was nice. That's always the best. Yeah, like, I don't want to go somewhere and then hang out with a bunch of other drunk tourists who don't know what to do. I want to be, like, guided. And it was clutch. Yeah. But it's a really cool place, very beautiful city, very friendly, and, uh... Yeah, I, I, if you haven't been down there, I don't know if I'd recommend going for a Mardi Gras, but definitely at some point, just stop in. It's a fun place. I mean, yeah, I've heard really good things. Oh wait, they also so I'll talk real one one last story. We in the parades they have like the homeless of New Orleans. They give them sections of the parade where. And I, I don't know what, like, the process to, like, qualify for this is, if you just show up one day. But they just walk around with, like, propane tanks strapped to their back, carrying, like, giant flaming what look like, like, folding music stands, kind of. And, like, they do this and people give them tips. And apparently this is this, like, real long New Orleans tradition. And when we were down there, we saw, like, the first group of these people pass. And so there's probably, like... I don't know, 10 to 15 per group. First one passes, like we give him some money. Second one passes, and Leo just looks over at me and he goes, I think terrorists are trying too hard. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, like all you have to do is come here, pretend to be homeless, and they give you a bomb. Like, or I'm sorry, unsheltered is the word that we kept being corrected to, is because 
I, we don't know why, but that's the that's the PC oh because term. the fucking homeless are getting going to be offended because you don't call them by the <laughs> by the proper phrase. Yeah, I'm just uh, maybe <laughs> they should worry more about being homeless <laughs> than the fact that they're being called homeless. I, I'm just that was what we were constantly corrected on. They're they're not homeless; they're unsheltered. Guess what that means? If you don't have <laughs> shelter, you know what you definitely don't have. Uh <laughs> Yep. I mean I don't disagree. Alright, well that's enough about the, the the Mardi Gras experience that I had. How uh what have you been up to? Anything fun? Oh, I went to a uh, roaring twenties party over the weekend. Oh, that sounds like some like good old like suits and flappers and all that kind of nonsense. Flapper. I hardly know her. No. Um, <laughs> Alright. How was it? Uh the <laughs> The um I I went full I went full on got my pinstripe suit out of out of the closet bought a t- bought spent about thirty dollars to get some stupid accessories that I'll probably only <laughs> ever wear again if I go to another Roaring Twenties party. Which... So I had a fedora, I had suspenders, a black bow tie, and um, what else did I have? Oh, I uh. And I sl- I put about like a fluid ounce of uh, hair gel into my hair to slick it back. That sounds like a lot of hair gel. It was a lot of hair gel. <laughs> that sounds like a good time. You'll probably use that stuff again. We have a whole ten years of the twenties that people are going to be throwing those parties. I don't think it's ever going to stop. It's just going to. Do you ever <laughs> think this is this is after all? A movie podcast, so, I mean, technically. So I might as well tie this back to the movies and sort of literature. Do you find it at all ironic that people, especially after watching the Leonardo DiCaprio version, uh, that people want to, like, throw Great Great Gatsby-themed Roaring Twenties parties and they don't see the fact that it was actually meant to be a, a symbolism of the... Uh, disconnected nature of the rich and that it was actually just this fake embodied embodiment and presentation that a rich man did as a desperate attempt to gain the attention of his lost love no i don't think that's weird at all because it had some it had some bops in it and people saw that it was like let's do let's do it they didn't worry about all that other nonsense the depth and the actual <laughs> constructive message of the film. Yeah, the film or the book. The whole book's about like exactly what you just said, and and people are just like, what a what a cool time to be alive. And the book's like the exact opposite of that. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me that apparently the uh, the Soviets, when the movie Grapes of Wrath came out. Uh, the Soviets started playing it in their movie theaters to show how bad the Americans had it, but the uh, the people actually ended up leaving thinking about how good the Americans had it because every farmer, even even though they things weren't going well, every farmer was able to afford their own truck. It's <laughs> a backfire. I didn't know yep. that. That's awesome. Yep. In other words, USA, USA, <laughs> get that commie bullshit out of my face. 
That's almost topical with our with the 2020 election. Have you been? Wa- oh, the fact that we're about to nominate a fucking communist <laughs> to run against to run against a literal billionaire. Yeah. God, this country's so stupid sometimes. I love it. It's great. I intend to start watching the debates now because I've heard there's been some. Oh, you missed out roasts. on the best one. Last week's was so good. Was that was that Warren going crazy or was that? Oh yeah, Warren. I'll send you a uh, like a TikTok of I shortened. It was on Twitter. It was a shortened version of basically this is what Elizabeth Warren uh, did during the debate, and it was really funny, but. Uh, she just absolutely, the first 45 minutes, uh, they basically castrated Michael Bloomberg and it was hilarious <laughs> to watch. That's, that's, that's just some good stuff. It's some quality reality TV. Oh, it was great. <sighs> All right. Well, do you want to, you want to do that thing we're supposed to do? We talk about yeah, the movies. Yeah. Uh, so on the note of not being quality, oh. uh, We've got a, uh, we're going to be looking at Brahms, The Boy 2, at, uh, first, looking at that movie. Then we'll be looking ahead to this weekend, uh, where there's going to be releases of The Invisible Man, The Whistlers, Burden, and Wendy. Yeah. And so, last week, to recap, we pretty much experienced... Me being the most angry I've been about anything with Brahms the Boy 2. And now you have seen this movie. And so is there anything salvageable in it? Or is it just exactly what we thought it was going to be? It was such a pile of fucking trash. <laughs> All right. That's you want to know what the worst part? The worst part about this is the fact that the scariest part of the movie has nothing to do with the fucking the Brahms. It has to do with a, when uh, two burglars break in in like the first five minutes of the movie and they attack the... They attack the mother and child of this family of three. That is the scariest part. And then there are dream sequences where, like, she has nightmares that she's being attacked again. That's... <laughs> that sucks. There was, there was legitimately no other scary part. Like, there was some anxiety. No. The, there was the most anxious aspect was when this kid that was visiting decided to break off. They were playing croquet and they decided to take like, uh, the peg that you put it at the end of each, uh, side of the croquet. Yeah. Field. Yeah. He basically was fucking around and just like smashed off the top of it, leaving a clear spike where it was the most obvious thing that someone was going to fall on it. And it was just like, it was just, anxiety driven to be like oh i i'm not gonna enjoy this i'm really not gonna like how this is gonna go and then i was right and there for a bit you get the impression that like this is just a repeat of the first time of the first one where the guy just sort of survived and he's about i'm spoiling this by the way yeah i don't think anyone gives a shit i'm not gonna see it for sure you should not watch it. It will just make you angry. 
All right, so, so yeah, so he's still around. Brahms, like, senior, the man. No, no, he is not. He uh, no, apparently died, and so instead, there's this, uh, there's this weird, like, groundskeeper guy that you think is going to be like supportive and like help save them from the Brahms, like the adult Brahms, because they're like, you've seen the first one, so you like expect this to come out. And he has this dog. Well, his dog ends up getting murdered by the doll. Gets gutted. Wait, the, and so the doll is spooky? It's spooky, but it never explains how the dog got gutted. It just shows that it did get it did get killed. And this is this guy's dog. So you're like, this guy is definitely gonna be on the side of the family, he's gonna be supporting them. Well guess what? Nope, he's working for the doll. The doll is supernatural, and it's talking to him. Why is the doll supernatural now? It's and apparently it's now been around since uh, it's been instead of it having just been around for the like the Heelshires or whatever their name were. Yeah, uh, it's been around since like the 1870s or something on the same land ever since. And it's been responsible, and every 20 or so years, there was a tragedy that happened. Where there was a fire, or someone did a, went full murder-suicide, shit like that. Sort of like how in the first one, Brahms, like, uh, supposedly killed this girl and burned down their house. Yeah. Well, so... the like, Hold on, here's my problem with this. So, like, they totally abandoned the whole concept of the first movie. And then retconned the shit out of it. And then they just went straight, like, just absolutely straight into, like, a franchise. Like, this has been spooky all along. It was responsible for the first one. They're like, this doll is, it has, like, they just went, like, expanded the time frame of whatever's been happening. But it's so obvious they never intended to do that because this movie's coming out four years later. Five years later? Doesn't matter. It doesn't, like... And to to bring this up, the, the doll has apparently been slowly and progressively possessing the boy more and more. Not, like, the boy as in, like, the doll, as in... The boy as in, like, Jude, the character, that's, like, this nine-year-old. So then why hadn't the doll just possessed somebody else in the, all that time and fucked on out of that there? That is a great question. It isn't answered in the slightest. This so, is... Oh, yeah, keep going. So... The entire build-up is garbage. It's not interesting. It's basically the same bullshit as the first one. Uh... Where, like, it builds up and it's like, you're just not sure whether it's going to be, like, actually spooky or if it's going to be some adult man that's, like, sneaking about in the inside the walls of their house. Yeah. So, it gets to a point where, like, it's starting to possess the, the child, like, Jude is, his, is the character's name. And Jude has a... 12-gauge shotgun pointed at his, at his mother. And she's trying to negotiate, basically convince him that they're going to all live together. Brahms, 
the doll, Brahms, Jude, the mother and father, in the house together, and they'll just be one big happy family. And so, then the dad sneaks up and smashes the head of the doll with a croquet mallet. And instead of firing, which would be the obvious reaction if you're possessing Jude with his 12-gauge and that sort of situation, it just apparently just loses control. It just loses its hold over Jude. And it falls to the ground, and it's got this weird, like, demonic face underneath the cracked uh, porcelain that was just broken off. They then gather, the family then gathers around, and they... And in comes the crazy uh, groundskeeper who says, oh no, you'll have made him angry. He'll take it out on me. At which point he gets like lifted up in the air as if he's being force choked by Darth Vader by this doll that's just sitting on the ground with this demon looking like teeth and like eyes and it's just i don't even know how to describe the appearance of it but just think of it as like sort of demonic yeah and then all of a sudden like it's so it's lifting this guy and then it they're in the basement so there's a furnace that it then causes to shoot like ash soot and like some fire out and for like knocks everyone in the room to the ground at which point Jude picks up the doll and throws him into the into the furnace. Cut away for for like I don't know, that doesn't tell you like 2 months. He's they're back in their original home that had been broken into and it's, everything seems super normal, but at <laughs> at the end of it Jude decides to go to his like armoire open up a drawer, and at the bottom of it, he's hidden the mask that Brahms wore, like, the adult, like, crazy person that lived on the walls. He decides to pull out that mask from, uh, that he had hidden, and, like, put it on, and then stare in the mirror and say, don't worry, Brahms, we'll be happy here, as long as they learn to follow the rules. And it's just like, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) That makes zero sense. Not only have you just retconned the shit out of anything interesting from the first movie, you've done it in a way that makes it completely unsatisfying, and nobody cares what just happened. It wasn't scary, and it wasn't interesting. Yeah, like, where did this demonic face come from under the... Because he gets shattered in the first one, so they put him together, back together with his his demonic face? Is it a new doll? This This just seems like it is the most shameless attempt to make money i i think that i've we've we've definitely talked about so far we've talked about some fucking stinkers trying to make money but this seems like it is just the most upfront give us your money we don't give a shit here's something half done and yeah like you said it ruins the first one by just existing and then also being a pile of nonsense i i i this is baffling to me but they, it's, it's, it's money. That should be the theme, or that should be the slogan of the show. Like, it's all for the money. Capitalism always wins, baby. How is it doing? Do you know? 
Uh, it's at eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That will yeah, that's probably high. It's generous. Uh, I would I would one hundred percent agree with you on that. Uh, I will look up the box office numbers for it as of right now. Uh, if you would like to, if there's anything else that you want to discuss. No, nah, I just want to forget about it as, as fast as I can. Um, but I guess since we're talking, I, I mean, do, are you done or you want to go to trailers? Um, Those are both the same thing. Oh my god. Do you want to guess how much Brahms the Boy 2 made over the first weekend? Four million dollars. Five point eight million dollars. Oh, that was close. For perspective, How, yeah. What was the Sonic the Hedgehog had been out for two? Uh, for this was the second week it was out. It made uh, twenty six million. It led the box office. Call of the Wild, also a new film, made twenty five million. Uh, the Harley Quinn movie has. This was the third weekend it was out. It made seven million. Bad Boys for Life, which has been out since January, made six million, <laughs> and then Brahms the Boy too. Well, good at least. <laughs> what was their What was their budget? Are they going to take a loss on this? I would hope, but probably not. I don't know. You can. We don't. We don't need to get ten million dollars. Oh well. Uh... They might break even eventually because I don't. That's their. That's just the movie budget, so they'll probably end up losing money because they. Uh, that means their marketing budget was probably also five to ten million. Yeah, that's true. And you can usually you usually want to multiply the opening weekend by two point eight, but that might be generous for this one. Yeah, I was, well, I don't know. Maybe a, a total. But either way, it's not going to do well, and I hope that that is a strong message to like actually think through. Not everyone can create an Annabelle, and I haven't seen any of those movies, but at least they probably make sense as to why. Like, I, It just pisses me off. The studio is like, spooky doll, roll with it, and whatever. So if we, if we want to move on to some trailers... Uh, in the loo, or in, yeah, in line with being spooky, I was going to talk about Invisible Man first. Perfect. Nice. All right, so this um, is a very, very loose, like, our time modern is what I'm looking for, retelling of, uh, I think it's H.G. Wells, The Invisible Man? I thought it was called, oh, yeah, yeah, The Invisible Man. I think it's H.G. Wells. I will check that for you. Yeah, I, I think that's right, which is a story about, like, a dude who gets himself invisible and then, like reluctantly has to kill people because he's treat he's like treated weird and then he's kind of crazy too i don't know i've read it like once a long time ago but i this i am so torn with this movie because they've adapted it to be like this woman's who's what's she's been in like everything what's her name kate something helen something she was in oh the, um the one from Mad Men, I'm totally blanking. Uh, in like The Handmaid's Tale and the uh, whatever we talked about earlier, Hustlers, but with women. No, uh, she was in uh, The Kitchen. Yeah, that's Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, that's her name, Elizabeth Moss. So her like ex boyfriend has made himself invisible after faking his own death, and then he leaves her money, but she has to prove she's not sane. So this guy's just doing 
Like, he's just going balls on the walls. Like, this is ridiculous manipula manipulation, manipulative behavior, whatever. And so that's, like, the, the, the plot of this is her dealing with her ex being the invisible man. So it's a much more, like, centralized one-character story. Yes. And I gotta say... No other movie scene that I can think of in, in in maybe ever has given me chills like the one where she's like it's in the trailer it's literally like their whole spot at is just this one scene is where she's sitting on the floor just staring at the chair and being like there's someone sitting in that chair because that and then it cuts over and you can see like the indentations where there's like legs there and someone's leaning against the back of the chair yeah and because that to me is absolute like that is just perfect horror because just imagine being her like he knows you're looking at him but you can't look away because you're even though you're sure you're not really sure and you're just hoping for one tiny like movement and this that whole situation like i saw that it was like a gif of it and it was just like the her like looking panicked and this was a long time ago but her looking panicked and then like just like there's someone sitting on a chair and then a cut to the chair and i just remember like i was sitting alone in the apartment and, like it was at night kate went to bed or something and i got chills like i looked behind me i was like that was that was creepy that being said, I'm not sure, like, I think they're going more thriller with this movie, which is probably good, but I think that it's just going to get to a point where, like, the gimmick's kind of old, and, like, the invisibleness isn't, like, as, as creepy or as, you, you know, it's not as big a deal, and so I think it might run a little dry, but I, I do have some hopes for it. I think I completely agree with you. I think that it has a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, it is concerning that it's going to be, it's a two hour movie. Oh shit. Um, I wouldn't have put it. That's, that's, I would have said 90 minutes was probably like 22 long. I was, I was going to guess that it was going to be like hour 40, hour 45. Um, why is Elizabeth Moss not listed anywhere on here? Is that, is that is that not Elizabeth Moss? It definitely is, right? I'm pretty sure it said Elizabeth Moss like multiple times. I mean, I've seen trailers for this for like ever. I've been keeping my eye on it. I'm like, I'm almost, <laughs> I, I would feel really dumb, but I'm, I was like 100% sure it was Elizabeth Moss. If it's not Elizabeth Moss, it looks exactly like her. I could have sworn the trailer. Okay, regardless of who it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, she's in it, but she's listed as other cast. Oh, uh, yeah, she's not, like, credited as a character. Which I guess yeah, no one not... seems to be either, except the dude who plays the boyfriend. So, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't really matter. Uh, do, you have, do you have anything else, Dad? Yes. Uh, just... I'm interested to see all they can do. I also think that the scene where she's outside looking to see what's going on and like you can see her breath and then immediately after you can see his breath behind her but no one's standing there. That's also like a very well shot scene that sort of gets across the sort of fear that you would have if there's someone that you can't see that's stalking you. Yeah. Well, I agree. I think they just had they made it like too obvious for the commercials, 
I think that would have been left better, better left out of the trailer, and then have that scene be a little longer until like you notice the other breath, rather than like because they had like an audio cue with it too. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you that the audio cue does sort of cheapen it. Especially because, like, if he's stalking her, and I get, like, maybe he's trying to make her crazy, but who's just, like, walking outside casually and breathing, like, <sighs> like, because it was, like, real loud. I don't know, but I, I agree. It's a good, the, like, the, the premises are all there. They're good. Because I think this has a lot of potential. Uh, we'll see if, uh, if it lives up to its potential, but I think Elizabeth Moss is a good enough actress, and... Uh, I think the sort of psychological thriller aspect of it makes it interesting. Um, I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do with the plot itself, with the entire plot, but uh, it could it could be very good. It could also be incredibly disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Because I think just the premise of it is honestly terrifying. Like just to think, like if that was your life, that'd be horrible. But uh, 100%. We'll have to see what direction they go. All right. Uh, what, what do you want to do next? Which way are we going? Are we going alphabetical now? or? Uh, well, let's just go to the Whistlers next. Okay. So this, <laughs> I had no idea what you were making me watch. I was worried I got the trailer wrong because a lot of it's not in English. And Correct. I don't know if this is a foreign film. I did zero research on it, so it is a foreign film. It was uh, it was played at the Cannes at the Cannes Film Festival in France. Yeah. Okay. So I think uh, so. It, it's some kind of like crime heist drama esque film centered around these people who communicate solely through. If, if intricate bird calls are pretty much what they sound like. They're the whistlers. Uh-huh. Makes sense. And uh, there's uh, there's some you know shenanigans or tomfoolery where the something's gone wrong with the money or you know everybody's threatening everybody to like not steal the money and leave or like rat them out or it's like your typical kind of heist scenario. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think this... I, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I think it looks fun. I think it looks pretty well acted. Um, it's an interesting concept. And I, th- I think it could be very entertaining because it seems to... as Even though it's like a crime drama, it seems to be very lighthearted. You know, not taking itself too seriously. Maybe the right amount of serious. And I think I think it'll be pretty good. Yeah, I am going to agree with you on that. I I am worried that it could just be sort of like a run-of-the-mill uh, crime drama. Like, it seems more, instead of just like heist, it seems like it's more based in organized crime, and there might be a heist that takes place as a part of that, sort of as like the, uh, like the main conflict, the, sort of the moving, like the, the action that moves things forward. But the the concept itself, where it's a uh, a crime syndicate that communicates via whistling, is a really interesting concept. Yeah, I'm not sure how the the big concern about trying to discuss this more in more detail is that it doesn't really give much away in the trailer, which is good and bad. It's good in the sense that I prefer to be surprised and go in relatively uh, blind. When it comes to these sorts of movies, or most movies really, 
but I also it also makes it hard to really discuss it in any sort of depth because it seems like a lot of the stuff that they showed was just sort of generic mob organized crime sort of movie yeah it was like you know the threatening scenes like almost drowning somebody the guns like yeah it was all very run-of-the-mill what you'd expect to see in a movie like this exactly and honestly i don't really have much else to say like there like i said there wasn't anything that really stood out i think it'll be a good movie but i could also be very wrong about that um it was apparently the audience choice at the Cannes film festival so that's good uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm tepid, but I think that I'd probably, probably be more likely to see it than some of the other movies. Uh, I definitely wish I would definitely have seen it over, uh, the last two movies I saw of Fantasy Island and Brahms, the boy <laughs> too. Yeah, well, that's fair. I would rather watch probably anything after, <laughs> than those after you told me about them. Uh-huh. So uh, we'll go from audience choice at Cannes to audience choice at Sundance, Sundance, and we'll talk about Burden. Um, yep. This, I think that was this one, or maybe that was Wendy. I don't remember. One of them was audience choice at Sundance. I don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm think I think it was Burden. And Burden, the first thing that. I guess I'll, I'll talk about what the plot seems to be. The plot seems to be a revolving around a... Uh, it was in South Carolina in the 1990s, 1996, I think. And Before we proceed, how wild is it that this, that this uh, plot took place during our lifetime? It's so weird to think about that. That, that is... Yeah, that's, that's going to be something I... I mean, not in those exact words, but I was like, this is extremely recent. When I saw... Because they kind of give you a little bit before they're, like, based on a true story in 1996, and I was like, what? But, yeah, it's... It's 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 a little it's a little weird. It's strange how, like, far away that feels, but at the same time, it really isn't. And I guess maybe that's why a lot of... I don't know, that might be the point of this movie. But it's centered around a, I, I think, a pastor or some kind of, like, church head in South Carolina. Reverend. Yeah, reverend. I believe they use the term reverend. I don't know church terms. Um, and then this imitation Christian Bale clansman. Because I, I, that's what I thought it was for, like, the whole trailer. Um, and the clansman wants to leave the clan, and the reverend is black, and his community is black as well. And it, it, there seems to be, like, this guy is known, wherever it is in South Carolina, for being a clansman and committing hate crimes. But he and his family, the, the clansmen, fall down on their luck, and they're homeless. And then the reverend essentially takes him in and gives him a second chance at not being a piece of shit. I guess is the best way I can I can sum it up. I don't know. Do you have anything that do you have more insight? I mean, it's it seems like it's just sort of a a, a rather run of the mill tale of redemption. It's like a redemption story arc. Yeah, where he he learns the error of his ways. I it's it's gonna be really hard for me to really embrace any of these after seeing. Uh, American History X because I think that that one did it so effectively. 
and that's where uh, sorry keep, go ahead uh, well, I, I was gonna say that like that's exactly what maybe 30 seconds into this trailer i was like oh so they're just this is american history x but like a little different yeah, so like it's it's basically American History X, but based upon a true story. Yeah, and he's taken in by a black family, uh, by a black like, and like it is based on a true story, so I understand that. But it's it doesn't seem especially new or sort of unique. So I I think Forrest Whitaker is going to do a great job in it. And it seems like it'll be a decent movie, but I don't think it's something that's especially like pressing to get out and definitely have to see it in the theaters, sort of thing. Yeah, I I agree with you. The other thing I was gonna say is it really looked like there was some like hardcore acting going on, and maybe that's just like the kind of vibe the movie was putting out. But it it seemed like it was one of those like. I don't know what, what movie did you say that about before, where it's, it was somebody's just... Joker. I said that Joaquin Phoenix was just acting so hard. <laughs> yeah, you could, so, uh, you could see how hard he was acting the entire movie. I got a little bit of those vibes from this trailer, um, but yeah, I agree. I think I think it'll probably be good. This is one of those movies that I am just not interested in, especially exactly what you said. I think I'd probably rather just watch American History X again. But uh, it's, I wouldn't mind if I caught it. I'm not going to make a, any point to try to see it ever. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be fine. Like, I don't think it'll suck. I will say that. Like, I think it'll at least be a decent movie. I think that's a fair assessment. And, uh, yeah, I got nothing else unless you, if, if you do. Unless, uh, unless nope. you do, we'll go to... I can't speak today. This is tough. <laughs> we'll go, move on to Wendy. Which is like a weird pseudo modern realistic ish still fantasy retelling of Peter Pan, and that's the best way I can sum it up. Um, that's really all. That's the. I'm not entirely sure because I can't even tell if this is supposed to be like the fantasy style where it's an actual Peter Pan like Neverland sort of thing. Or if it's supposed to be a more realistic version in which a bunch of kids just escape to an island that they call Neverland, and then they stumble upon, like, basically a, a true story kind of thing that they base the that they base the the fictional retelling, like, the, the fairy tale on. But it, I just, I could be wrong, but I just didn't care. About any of this. That's kind of what I expected you to say. And I will I will answer that with... This movie is right up my alley. Uh, Sundance is my... Or not Sundance. Searchlight is my favorite studio. Uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild was a phenomenal movie. That was back in like 2012, 2011. And mm. I'm really excited for... I, I'm, I am legitimately excited of this. And I will, will make a point to see it. May, probably not in theaters, but you know, eventually... And I can also probably maybe clarify, if they do anything like they did with Beasts of the Southern Wild, because I think it's produced by the same person, or yes. the, so, which it could just be, I don't know. But it's like it's a more realistic telling. I mean, I don't think that was based on any story that I remember it, but it's been a while. Um, but it's it's a more realistic telling, but all the fantasy elements are kind of like 
through the kids' own embellishments. Like, it's, like, their imaginations. So that's Yeah, that's sort of the idea I was getting. So, yeah, like, like the pirates seem to just be a bunch of, like, weird guys on, like, a weird boat. Like, a fishing boat. And maybe they're not really pirates. But I don't think there's, like, a giant underwater squid, glowy fish, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, that was the thing that kind of threw me about what the direction they were actually taking was. Yeah, so I think I think it's gonna be, and I I don't know if it's gonna actually put them on an island because they like seem to take a train there. I I don't, or maybe I guess they take a boat. I I I don't know because this one seems to delve into fantasy a little more. It also gives me gave me real big where the wild things are vibe. And if you remember that horribly received movie. That's all I remember about it. Didn't watch it. Uh, see, I like it. It was depressing as shit, but I didn't really have a problem with it. I was, a, I was kind of a fan. Um, but it it was not great, and it was pretty depressing. So I don't, I, I don't know. So people were upset that it just stamped all over their, uh, stomped all over their childhood. Yeah, well, people were mad because they took a twelve-page book or whatever, and turned it into a hour and a half movie and people were mad that like the plot wasn't great or whatever but it it, it i think it hit uh where the wild things are hit on all like the right notes of just like child melancholy and like w- w- wistful adventureness i i don't know maybe i was just a weird kid but i enjoyed it and by weird kid i mean like a senior in high school um, I was gonna say that wasn't <laughs> that long ago that that came out. No, yeah, it was 2015. I don't know. No, not 2015. 2010, maybe. Uh, I think I was maybe 15 when it happened. Doesn't anyway. I think this is gonna be a lot like that. I'm not sure where the line's gonna be, but I'm not. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be a great movie by any means. I think it's gonna be more like subjective for this one but i i I think i will enjoy it but it's not gonna like it's not gonna win any awards yeah i'm uh i'm fairly certain that this is this is not gonna be up my alley i i just don't see that there's gonna be any actual plot to this and so yeah i mean it's just gonna be the kids go lay it on some island and do lost boy bullshit and i don't know they just kind of fuck around for an hour and then they discover some pirates yeah and they learn a bit about their kid emotions and then they fight pirates and i don't know it's it's not it's not necessarily like a plot heavy story i don't think it's more of like uh i don't want to say nostalgia based story but the appeal of it isn't like the plot i i wouldn't say i'm not sure how to put it into words it's more it's a journey not really the destination or that there is a destination if i can be cliche Mm, i see what you're saying (laughs) no i like i i don't think it's for everyone i'm not gonna argue that's gonna be a good movie but i was i was pretty intrigued by it yeah well uh you are going to get you can enjoy it all you like (laughs) <laughs> thanks for the permission <laughs> I mean I'm not gonna sit here and tell you you should hate it but I'm gonna tell you that I'm not interested in it <laughs> that's that's fair that's absolutely fair maybe trying to stay in these well not like stay in but not like 
stay out. I don't know. Maybe I'll, what I'm trying to say is maybe I'll go see it this weekend and I can talk about it next week. But uh, you know how that usually goes. Yeah, also the fact that it's because it's such a small movie, the idea that it's going to be playing in Roanoke is rather slim. I guess that's I didn't even think about that. Maybe I'll just watch Beast of the Southern Wild instead and I'll talk about that. <laughs> what is this um podcast where we talk about where we talk about movies that are coming out and then decide to watch better versions of those <laughs> same movies? It might after this weekend. It could be. It can be whatever we want it to be. Because we haven't really developed that listener base yet. Well, and God willing, we never will. <laughs> no one should have to be subjected to this. I guess I haven't checked on that in a while. We'll talk about that off uh, off air. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I got nothing else. We can uh, do a nice recap if you want. Keep this one a little shorter. Although by the time we yep. get through everything, it'll be pretty much the same length as it always is. Yep, so the uh, we've got ourselves a firm trailer trash on Brahms the Boy 2. Uh, we've got, I believe, a unanimous uh, red, ready for the red carpet for Invisible Man, for the Whistlers, and for Burden. Although some of them are a little more tepid than the others, but they all are ready for ready for the... For the red carpet. And then we have a far more enthusiastic ready for the red carpet from Connor on Wendy. And a far more tepid ready for the red carpet from myself. Yeah. Don't forget that I also host a sports gambling podcast called Fade the Public. That first, because we've been struggling to come up with content... Uh, we've been spending time discussing the Democratic primaries because we hate ourselves. <laughs> oh, shit. We've also introduced Ian's Hockey Corner, and I believe this week we're going to be introducing uh, Ryan's Golf Corner. I, I won't lie to you, the second one doesn't sound any fun. <laughs> you gotta limit limit the golf talk, I think. But what do I know? We I do this podcast. That's fair, and we all. <laughs> hey, we have Connor's spooky corner on this one. That's true. I mean, everything gets put in a corner. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, because, uh, well, nobody puts baby in a corner. Yeah, so where baby isn't is where podcast segments go. Sure. That makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter, although no one uses it still. I don't, it's something, just type in something, you know, bring you to us, and uh, hopefully by the time this, well, no, this will be out in like two days, I wish we had more of a recording window so I could try to figure out where all our other shit goes up on, but we will be on Spotify and iTunes, maybe eventually, sometime, we're working on it. Um, who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? Who cares? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 it. That's the whole show. Until next time. Until next time.